Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Got a good show today Look, I'm very excited I'm in a great mood I just dropped my son off at preschool That's right, first day of preschool Finally <laughs> Got some me time Kid free This is wonderful What a wonderful occasion, right? Look, I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but look, if you got kids, you understand. When you drop them off at school and you got that little bit of free time to yourself, whew, what a luxury. What a luxury. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about sports, right? Thank you for joining me, Cyber Family. Welcome back. If this is your first time, welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. So as I said, I'm in a good mood, feeling good. The uh, 2022 NFL quarterback rankings came out. I released it uh, officially today, the full list, the full show. Actually, as I'm recording this, I'm recording this on Wednesday, so you'll hear this uh, Thursday. But as of this recording, the list has has debuted. It's out there. It's in the ethos. My opinion is out there for all to consume. And uh, look, man. I'm proud of it. I put a lot of work into it. Again, you may disagree with some things. That's fine. Let me know. Follow me on social media. Let me know what you think of the list, good or bad. Um, today, I got some. Uh, I got some good topics to get into. But look, man, there's one of these topics that I'm going to get into today that I don't even know if is exactly sports related. But it is something that I feel like is important for me to get up off my chest. And it does, it kind of starts in the sports realm, but where it ends up, I don't know. But I feel like it's important to discuss and talk about. But uh, let's start it off light. Let's get in some quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. So uh, NBA 2K is coming out uh, this week and they released their um, their player rankings. And Kevin Durant uh, seems to be unhappy about his player ranking in 2K. He got a 96 overall. Now, number one, uh, I didn't know that this was a thing. I didn't know that, first of all, the player rankings was like a big deal. I didn't even know that NBA 2K was that big of a deal that it would show up on like sporting websites. You know, like a Bleacher Report will post something about it. That seems odd. It's a video game. Who cares? Secondly, if you're Kevin Durant, you got a 96 and you're mad about not getting a 99. Like, what's the difference? Like, are you really concerned about little three percentage points? And do you really think you're a 99? And if a 99 means you're a perfect basketball player, do we think that Kevin Durant's a perfect basketball player? I don't know. Just food for thought. It's just one of those things that I guess I guess I'm bringing it up because I didn't realize it was that big of a deal in, in the grand scheme of sports. The Knicks, uh, as I said last episode and last week that I felt like missing out on the Donovan Mitchell trade. I felt like the Knicks would play cool, like, nah, we're fine with it, everything's okay, but that the backlash would cause them to kind of start getting in desperation mode, like, we gotta make a move that's big, you know, to kind of make up for this, because, you know, it's New York and they gotta do it big, so I felt like something like that would come down the line, and uh, sure enough, there's some rumors going around that the Knicks are still interested in making a trade for a, a cornerstone player. And the newest name on the on the block is the uh, the guard combo guard Shea Gilgis Alexander from uh, Oklahoma City. Now, 
I would not be mad at that deal. That's a player that I think is really good, still really young, has a ton of potential, could come in, could be a good pickup. I'm not sure. The point is, is that that guy is coming out of nowhere. That's a name that's popping up out of nowhere. It's as if, if that's true, I don't even know if the report is true or not, but as a Knicks fan and someone who's been a Knicks fan my entire life, this totally falls in line with what they do. Number one, you're going to hear a bunch of names pop up that they might be interested in. And number two, you're going to hear cap space because they're going to go after a big free agent. Like, and, and all I'm, I, I see it coming now. And here's my prediction. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say it. I 100% would bet money that the Knicks are going to trade for a player this year that is older than Donovan Mitchell, that is a worse idea than Donovan Mitchell, and they're going to try to sell it as a big building block and a big piece. They're going to trade for an older player who's not as good as Donovan Mitchell to try to make up for the fact that they blew that deal completely. I'm already There are already rumors that they're trying to trade Julius Randle. At this point, what, what do you think Julius Randle is going to command in the open market? Like, honestly, if you don't want him, if you're the one team that decided to jump out there in free agency and sign him, and then after his first year decided to sign him to a bigger contract, to extend his contract, and now you, after one year of that extension, is saying, ah, we don't want this guy, do you think anybody else is going to give you anything of serious value for that player? Like, come on, this is this is this is totally like the Knicks. And this is what I was talking about, where I said I they needed to make the Donovan Mitchell trade to prove to us Knicks fans that this was really a different regime. And as I said, then it's unfortunate, but you put a target on on R.J. Barrett's back. He's forever going to be linked to Donovan Mitchell now, and he better be good. And Quentin Grimes, a guy who has proven nothing in the NBA, a summer league standout, is the guy that you're going to say, we cannot trade him. He's off limits. So now these two guys have targets on their back, and they better be excellent. They better excel. They better have great seasons, and the Knicks better be good. Or else you're going to look like a dum-dum, and then they're going to get desperate and make another monster, massive, stupid trade the way they did with Carmelo Anthony, giving up the entire roster for one player and then wondering why hmm, this team's not very good anymore. Carmelo Anthony's overrated. No. You put you you acquired Carmelo Anthony by giving up everything else and then he literally came to a team with nothing on it. It's not hard. It's simple math. But again, the Knicks are going to nick. So I don't know how many of you uh, were excited this past weekend about the official start of college football. And I say the official start of college football because in my opinion, that first full weekend when you have the full slate of games where you have the top 25 playing, that's like the full weekend. I know two weeks ago they had games, but for me, that, that's, that doesn't really count because all the big dogs weren't playing. But, man, what a, what a great show on the first weekend. And I got to tell you, man, in my opinion, college football is the best sport in the world, hands down, no questions asked. There's an entire different energy. When you have the best playing the best, when you have good teams playing good teams, when you have these fans, there's, there's something about it. There's just a different energy that exists in college football. And I know some people will say, no, no, the NFL is better because of blah, 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 whatever. In college football, you have blowouts and some of the games aren't close. I get that. But if you're talking about big game, big stage, there's something there's there's a different energy in college football there's a different like uh intensity there there's a different joy there's a different like it's just different my my example is what, what made me think of this and what made me literally say out loud to myself in my house college football is the greatest thing in the world was the lsu florida state game now look i'm not a fan of florida state i'm not a fan of lsu but I watched the game, obviously. Um, LSU was favored. LSU was playing essentially a home game. And 
the way that game ended up where with like two seconds left LSU throws a touchdown and they they get the score within one and they need the extra point to win it and Florida State blocks the kick and the energy that went through the crowd when they made the touchdown the energy that went through the crowd for Florida State fans and the way the the spirit was zapped from LSU for just the ending of that game that energy the excitement that like we're in the in the NFL you're not you're very rarely if ever going to see a team down by seven with like 45 seconds left be able to drive up the field and score a touchdown it just doesn't happen you need that college provides that because these are young kids these are young guys these are guys who are just it's a different level of it's not a job and even though they're getting paid now because they can make money on the side or whatever, there's still a sense of like, there's a spirit there that doesn't exist in the NFL. There's, there's, a, there's a level of improbability. I, I don't know how, to, I really don't know how to explain it. But if you're a college football fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's like a, there's, there's just something about it that just feels a little more pure, a little more honest, a little more like sloppy in ways and not so refined and not so like technical, but just guys out there playing and whatever happens, happens. And man, you gotta love it. In my opinion, college football is the best sport in the world. So getting into the meat of this episode, I got a few things obviously I want to talk about, but I want I want to start with something that I thought was was pretty interesting. And it's something that came across the wire um late last week, like after I had recorded. And I immediately went down and I and I wrote it down and I jotted it down as something that I wanted to mention. And that thing I don't know. See, I'm I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to to talk about it because I feel like it's one of those things that came very quickly stray away from sports and I really do want to try to keep it in the context of sports. I think, so let me just say, so South Carolina women's basketball coach uh, Dawn Staley has canceled the Home and Home series with BYU and her reason for doing so was because a Duke volleyball player um, reported that a BYU fan used racial slurs towards her during a match. And so uh, Dawn Staley, you know, respectively said, you know what, we're we're not we're going to cancel that because that's not something I have a responsibility to protect my players. And we're not going into that environment. If that's the case, if that's what they're going to be doing over there, we're not going to be a part of that. And while I respect that decision, obviously, because she made it, she's earned the right to do that. um, The thing that struck me was. Number one. Is it right? Not is the comment right? Because look, we can all sit here and agree that to to use racial slurs against anyone, it, it's just wrong. It's 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 wrong. It's unnecessary. It's it's despicable. Like, what are you doing? Come on, man. Honestly, like we can get we can we can go all day and talk about whether or not um, what someone's response should be to that, and that's what I'm going to get into. But the reality is. is no one should have to sit down and be told something negative about them based on their race or ethnicity or sex or sexual orientation or anything about them you shouldn't be you shouldn't be negatively criticized because of things that you can't control i just don't think it's right i think that's like making fun of someone cuz they're too pale like if your intentions are to be hurtful and disrespectful i just think that that's unnecessary if you're being playful with a friend and you guys are joking around with each other and you guys have that type of relationship or whatever as long as both people are okay with it i mean do whatever you want like who cares but for you to go to a game 
and think, hmm, I'm going to try to heckle this player to enhance my team's probability of winning. And the route you choose is to go with racial slurs. To me, that's just, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right? That's, that's stepping over bounds. But what that got me to think about is that got me thinking about um, the idea of being soft or fragile when it comes to sports. When it comes to the, I remember when they started changing rules in the NFL and all these guys started talking about like, oh, put him in a skirt. The game's so soft now. You know, in the NBA, when they started enforcing flagrant fouls and now they review every time a guy falls a little too hard as a flagrant foul. And they're like, oh, put him in a skirt. <laughs> That's always like the go to, right? Like, put him in a skirt. Uh, but like everyone's talking about, oh, man, it's so soft now, so soft now, whatever. And then you got people saying, oh, the Golden State Warriors would get beat up in the 90s NBA and the 90s NBA couldn't keep up skill wise or speed wise with today's NBA and blah, blah, blah. It's just so much softer now. And you have that conversation going on back and forth. I've always been one that kind of was like, man, whatever it is, what it is, you know, what are you going to do? But with this, when I heard this, it kind of struck me as as unique and different because once you bring in the component of race and once you bring in the component of being offended, I personally am a firm believer of being offended is a choice, right? Like no one can offend you by saying something unless you choose to take it offensively. Now, this is where we slightly stray off the path of sports. So go with me for a minute. My daughter once came home, um, and my daughter's 12, so she's getting to that age where they're really starting to zone in on really picking on each other and clicking up or whatever. So she came home one day and said some girl was making fun of her and said that she was ugly. And I said, okay, that doesn't mean anything. And she was like, yeah, but like it hurt my feelings. It made me feel bad. And I asked her, I said, well, do you think you're ugly? And she said, no. And I said, okay, so why does it matter that she does? Why does someone else's opinion of you change your opinion of yourself? And I know that I'm 35. So when I was 12, if you called me ugly, I would have probably felt bad too. But as we get older and we start to learn about life and what really matters and what doesn't matter, we start to get that maturity and that self-awareness to know like, oh, what someone else says about you doesn't matter. And we always say that everyone preaches to each other, hey, just be yourself, do what, do what you want, don't worry about anybody else, no one else, you know, blah, blah, blah. But nobody ever says, hey, no one else can offend you unless you want it to be offensive. I said, hey, would you feel bad if somebody says that your face looks like uh, a sunflower? She said, no, I wouldn't even know what that means. And I said, well, there you go. Somebody calling you ugly is no different than them calling you a sunflower. Somebody calling you fat is no different than somebody calling you skinny. Like, if you're skinny and somebody calls you fat, you're not going to be offended because you're going to be like, what are you talking about? I'm not, what, do you, what do you mean? I weigh 90 pounds. I'm six foot eight, 190 pounds. Like, I'm not fat. It wouldn't make sense, right? Because you don't think that of yourself. And I guess that's my point is whatever someone says something to you, it goes into your brain and you immediately, boop process it however you feel like processing it not what they said how you feel about it if you have an insecurity and that person calls out that insecurity that you have you will get offended by that comment because it is something that bothers you because you already have feelings about it in your mind and so when that person confirms that it makes you feel bad about it all over again 
which is why you have things like, let's say, the N-word, where you have um, black people and Hispanic people can say it, or where black people say, well, we can say it, but white people can't. Because when you say it, it's offensive. Why? And the conversation is always, oh, because we use it as a, a term of endearment. Not true. Not all the time. We can we can play multiple uh, rap songs where they we can we can play diss records where you are you are throwing n bombs around constantly nonstop and none of it is in an endearing form or way to that person you're talking to. And then you say, but when white people say it, it's offensive. Why? Because you choose to be offended when a white person says it because you feel like you're not allowed to. We've already established the rules. You're not allowed to. So when you say it, I'm going to be offended. Not because you're saying it in an offensive way because you might be saying it in just as nice a way and in an endearing way. And you might be saying it to me with the most love in your heart possible. But you are white. You are not allowed to say it. So I'm going to choose to be offended when you say it. And when someone of color or someone of my same race says it, I'm, I'm not going to I'm going to choose not to be offended because they're allowed to say it. We cannot deny that that is an active choice that you make, which is why there are black people out here with white friends who they will say, well, my white friend could say it because that's my friend. So I'll give him a pass. So you're choosing not to get offended when he says it because you know him and you trust him and you love him and you know that he loves you and you guys are friends. So you give him a pass because, hey, it's okay. But that's still a choice. Now let's bring it back to sports now that you understand where I stand, where I believe that getting offended is a choice. You can never get offended by what somebody says unless you choose to be. Because what somebody says really doesn't matter. It's said in passing. Who cares? So when this player says, hey, they said something to me that I didn't like. It really offended me. It was hurtful. And then the response from another coach is to say, you know, well, we're not going because I don't want my players subject to that. My first thought, my initial thought is, are we seriously going to do that because of what somebody said? Then I start thinking about all the black players that have come before that have broken barriers. When you start thinking about Jim Brown, who was in in the civil rights movement, when you start thinking about Bill Russell and what he had to endure, when you start thinking about Muhammad Ali and what he had to endure, when you start thinking about guys like Jackie Robinson and what they had to endure, it wasn't just people saying things to them. They were living in a time where in order to play that sport that they wanted to, they were facing legitimate threats, both verbal and physical. And they had to endure and they had to fight and they weren't fighting against people saying things. It wasn't just, oh, he called me this. It was no, he called me this while holding a gun directed towards me. It was, oh, he called me this as he was with a group of guys chasing me. It was, I am, phys- I am afraid for my life because somebody is actually trying to physically harm me because of the color of my skin. Not because somebody said something. The civil rights movement, we were not, they, not me, I shouldn't even say me, I don't even deserve to be in the same breath with these guys. They did not fight to stop people from saying things. They were fighting because people were literally physically doing things and and had laws constructed preventing you from being able to exist. And now players nowadays who live and exist in a world where they make hundreds of thousands to hundreds of millions of dollars to play a sport have the nerve to get offended, have the nerve to be blown. I cannot believe this happened, this travesty, because a fan said something. For me, I feel like it is a absolute, like, get over yourself moment. 
Absolutely. 100%. If I'm playing in a game, I probably won't notice that that person said something. I'm not paying attention to each individual insult. And if somebody says something to me, I'm going to just shrug it off and keep on walking because what do I care? You are a college athlete. You are playing the sport that you love, that you chose to play. You are in a university where you are getting an education. You are going to graduate and be able to live your life and have a great chance to prosper in life. And what that woman said to you, like, shut you down for a moment? What someone said to you made you stop in your traction and say, oh my God, how could this be? And if you're in South Carolina, are you sitting there thinking as a player like, oh, I don't want to go there because if they say that to me, I'm going to lose my mind. Is that really happening? We're really going to say, hey, we're not going to go somewhere because somebody said no. To me, the real power is in going there. Like, hey, you could throw these insults, but you are not going to stop me from coming here and doing what I came here to do, which is play a sport that I love. You're not going to stop me from playing a sport because you said something about my race. I'm not going to be scared away because you over there talk, 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 talking. Could you imagine if Jackie Robinson decided not to play in the major leagues because people were calling him names? Could you imagine if Jim Brown decided not to fight against racial equality because people were calling him names? Could you imagine if Martin Luther King or Malcolm X decided not to fight against injustices because people were calling them names? I don't agree with the statement of put him in a skirt, but I 100% agree with the statement of we as a society, as a people, have 100% gotten soft. We have gotten so soft that we use terms like cyberbullying, where because you choose to be on the internet so much, if people criticize you on the internet that you're choosing to be on so much, it can really hurt your feelings and affect your life. And we have to stop people from saying things and typing things because other people are reading those words and their feelings are getting hurt. Do you understand how crazy that sounds? Do you understand that our parents think that we're nuts? Do you understand that that at thir- I'm 35, which isn't even old. But for me, that's still like, really? And my parents think, just don't go on, don't go on Snapchat, don't go on Instagram, don't go on Facebook, don't go on Twitter, don't go on TikTok. But all these kids say, no, but we have to. Like, we can't exist without it. That's a part of our life. So as a part of our life, you shouldn't be able to say anything that bothers me. And again, I, I, I don't mean to stray away from the sports side of it. But for me, the sports side of it is why are you refusing? Why are you now canceling the games with BYU? What did those players do? Those players didn't call you the name, did they? The coaches didn't call the, didn't say the racial slurs, did they? So you're now shutting down, you're shutting down competition because of what a fan said. Again, not what a fan did. Not that a fan threw something on the court. Not that a fan threw a brick. Not that a fan fan threw a punch. Not that they were attacked, but because they yelled something to you that was racially insensitive. And now you're going to sit there and say, well, we're shutting that all down. To me, that sounds crazy. And for me, the power does not come in backing down and saying, well, since you said that, we're going to leave the power for me comes in. You can say that as many times as you want to. It doesn't change us or our opinion. These are strong people. These players are strong and capable of enduring whatever somebody, whatever a fan says. 
They don't need to be coddled in that way. And I think we should start teaching our children as they grow to be resilient to the fact that people can say whatever they want, but you have to choose how you respond to it. And if your feelings get hurt every single time somebody says something about you you don't like, then it's going to be a long, tough life. Because everyone you know at some point is going to say something about you that you're not going to like. And that's okay. And guess what? You're going to say something about people that they don't like as well. It's just the way life is. And I think we need to get back to toughening up people and teaching people how to deal with it. All right, now that I'm done with that, <laughs> I might get some flack for that. But honestly, I hope that I hope that the message comes through that I, I don't think that they should have canceled the games. I think they should have gone in spite of that and showed up and said that this is 2022. We are no longer affected by what you say. We will live our lives and we will prosper and we will excel regardless of what you say. And that's not only black, that's not only white, that's not only trans, that's whatever it is you are, stand up right now and say to yourself, I will excel regardless of what anyone around me says, because what you say does not change who I am or what I believe. And that is the message of what I was saying, and I hope that that's what comes through, and I hope that that's what people take from it, is what I was trying to say, you know, hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. (laughs) Sometimes I go off on a tangent, a rant, and, you know, but that's what I was trying to say. So let's get back. Let's go all the way back to sports, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Actually, this might even fall into the category of not really being sports either, but it was announced uh, yesterday that Jake Paul is officially fighting Anderson Silva on October 29th on Showtime Pay-Per-View. Number one, why is this on Pay-Per-View? Number two, There is a wave, a wave of support for this fight and and a wave of people saying, whoa, this is a real test for Jake Paul. This is this is dangerous. Oh, my God. If he wins this. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. Oh, my God. Anderson. So I can't believe he's accepting this challenge. And then I have to temper your excitement by saying Anderson Silva is 47 years old. Anderson Silva spent an entire career fighting mixed martial arts taking kicks to the head, getting knocked out, all that stuff. Brutal sport. Spent an entire lifetime doing that. And then after doing that, decided to go and box now. And has had four boxing matches. And it's three and one. And he's 47 years old. And he's fighting 25-year-old Jake Paul, who's only fought five times in his life. Well, I guess six if you want to count the first official. Six fights in his life. Is fighting a guy who spent an entire lifetime, probably spent more time doing UFC, not UFC, doing mixed martial arts, spent more time doing that than Jake Paul has been alive. He spent 25 plus years doing that and then decided after doing that, taking all of that physical damage and putting his body through hell, decided to start boxing, boxed four times, and now is fighting Jake Paul. And this is the guy that we are giving Jake Paul credit for saying this is a serious opponent. And nobody sees the irony in that. Nobody sees that Jake Paul, who considers himself a guy who is, going, who is good enough to beat world title contenders in boxing, world title contender boxers, 
is fighting a 47-year-old retired mixed martial artist who's taken up boxing because it's a passion of his. At 47 years old, this is who he's fighting, and this is the guy that's going to get him all of the instant credibility. I even saw someone tweet, if he beats Anderson Silva, you can't say anything about him. The hell I can't. I'll say this. Here's my point, and here's my point, and this is what I was I was trying. I, I thought I got it across last week, but I'll say it again. Win or lose versus Anderson Silva. Win or lose, Jake Paul is no closer or further away from a world title than he is right now. No closer. This is just another example of Jake Paul trying to take the easy route to manipulate his way and weasel his way into a championship fight. I've said it before, I'll say it again. My problem with Jake Paul is, as you'd say, you say openly, I want to win a world title as a boxer. I want to be a world champion one day. Right? That's what you say. I want to be a world champion boxer. I want to be a world champion boxer. And yet all of your actions say, I don't want to work my, I don't want to earn that. I want to weasel my way into that because I don't want to go through the steps because guess what this past weekend you had andy ruiz fight um luis ortiz for a heavyweight title eliminator meaning whoever wins that fight is now next in line for a heavyweight championship fight which means if you want the the, if you want to fight for the title you gotta face this guy you guys gotta fight each other and see who wins and see who's deserving of it that's called earning it that is not Andy Ruiz going out and fighting the likes of retired guys who were 90 years old or fighting this YouTuber, fighting that YouTuber, building up popularity and being able to sell pay-per-views and then convincing someone like Alexander Usyk to fight him because he can generate so much revenue and fight me for your title, by the way, even though I haven't earned the right to do that, fight me because I can get you money. And because I can get you money, that means I, I earned the right to fight you. It's like, no. There are guys who have dedicated their lives to the sport of boxing. There are guys who started as a child and wanted to be a a world champion fighter. And so they started fighting. They fought in the amateurs and then they turned pro and they fought up the ranks in the pro. And then they fought through the, 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 they fought through the ranks and they fought through all the competitors and they fought their way up to be number 10, you know, uh, highest rated number nine, eight, you know, like, They fought their way through the ranks and then they finally earned a title shot and then they went for it. You, Mr. Jake Paul, you have fought a YouTuber in Anderson Gibb. You followed that up by fighting a retired basketball player in Nate Robinson. Followed that up by fighting Ben Askren, a retired UFC fighter coming off of hip replacement surgery. And then you fought Tyron Woodley, a retired MMA guy as well. With you fought him twice. One time you eked out a split decision, and the second time you knocked him out cold. Hey, good shot. But the guy was a shot fighter. Right? Those are your five fights. You haven't fought anyone that's ranked anywhere on any boxing list. And I know they will say, oh, but every boxer fights like tomato cans when they first get started. Jake Paul is just doing what everyone else does. He's just doing it with higher profile names and getting more money. Yeah, but the problem is, is at some point you have to take that next step. And this is being considered that next step. And why? Anderson Silva is not 
ranked anywhere else on the WBC, WBO, WBA, IBF. He's nothing. He's not ranked anywhere. He's, he's not even on a list. He's just a guy who is very decorated because he was great at his craft. And now he's going into boxing and he, he beat Chavez Jr. though. He beat Chavez Jr. Yeah, who hasn't? Chavez Jr. has been considered an embarrassment for a decade. You look at his record and most people will say, I have no idea how he won that many fights. The guy has never fully committed to the sport. The guy was always criticized for not training hard. The guy whose father is a legend is constantly disappointed every time he fights. We saw Chavez Jr. get destroyed by, get embarrassed by Canelo. Literally beat up for 12 rounds. And the only thing, that, the whole big shebang was he made weight. It was a shock that he even made weight, number one. Number two, it was a shock he didn't get knocked out. He threw, like, no punches, didn't connect on anything, got his ass beat for 12 rounds, and it was embarrassing. And then he proceeded to quit against Danny Jacobs once he got his nose busted. And then he just quit. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. Then he went and lost to Anderson Silva, and we're going to think that Anderson Silva was like a real test for Jake Paul, like, even if he might be. That says to me a lot about Jake Paul and where we really think he is. If we think a 47-year-old Anderson Silva is the ultimate test for Jake Paul right now, then then that says a lot about where you think Jake Paul really is. And is Jake Paul actually as good as you think he is? See, during the promotion for when he was doing the co-promotion with Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn was saying, you're not a championship-level boxer. You're not on that level. You're like, you're not good for a boxer. I don't think he was being disrespectful. I think he was saying, if you think Jake Paul can actually fight, you're saying that because in your brain you're thinking this is a guy who was on the Disney Channel, this is a guy who was a YouTuber who just decided to fight, and he's better than I thought he would be. And that is true. But let me ask you a question. If any any top 10 ranked fighter in the world was fighting Anderson Silva, would you think this was a good test for them? If Canelo came out tomorrow and said, actually, he canceled the fight with Jake Paul, I'm fighting Anderson Silva, would we give him credit for it? Would we think this was a good fight? If Caleb Plant was fighting Anderson Silva, would we think this was like a the bee's knees? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We would be worried for Anderson Silva's safety. But for some reason, we want to just look at Jake Paul and say, oh, wow, what a, what a test. It's like, again, I'll say it again. What is your goal? And I know what it. I figured it out already. I feel like it's obvious to see. He wants to get a big, big payday. Because, look, here's the thing. He wants to fight Canelo, not because he wants to fight the best fighter in the world, but because he wants a big payday, and Canelo is the biggest payday he can get. Once he gets the Canelo fight, he's already won. Win or lose that fight, it doesn't matter because if he loses, then hey, you know, a kid from Ohio, a Disney kid, a YouTuber, had a dream to become a boxer. And look at me, I'm in the ring with the best pound for pound in the world, one of the greatest fighters of all time, and I, I'm here. I made it this far, like, what an accomplishment. You could do anything you want to. And we'd all look at him like, hey, man, pretty impressive that he got himself to that level. If he wins, holy crap, could you imagine a Disney kid, YouTube kid, beat one of the best fighters of all time, blah, 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 blah. I am the greatest of all time. His life is set forever. He never has to fight again. So either way, he walks away as the victor, and he gets that big payday. What he doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to work his way up to become the number one contender. 
for any title that Canelo has. He doesn't want to become the number one contender at light heavyweight, the number one contender. He doesn't even want to be a, a, a top 10 contender. He doesn't want to go through those ranks. He wants to build up popularity. He wants to build up a resume that's based on, oh, I knock everybody out. I knock everybody out. He wants to piss you off so that you tune in and pay to see the fights, pay to see him lose, but he's going to end up winning because he's fighting like guys who don't really pose serious threats anyway. And then he's going to build his resume that way. And then he's going to have enough attention, enough clout that every time he says Canelo's name, Canelo has to respond to it because, hey, dumbass ESPN, dumbass Bleacher Report, dumbass, all these different outlets are going to continue to cover him and propose the question of could he beat Canelo? And then Canelo is eventually going to have to answer and decide, is the payday really worth the whole circus of it? And then he'll get a title shot because in the negotiations, he's going to say, well, we have to fight for your titles, whatever title he may have at that time. And to me, is that earning the fight? No. No, because, again, that's not right for the guys who dedicated their entire lives to going through the system and doing it the way you're supposed to, to become a contender, to become a top-ranked contender, to earn that that title shot. And you're going to give it to some guy who's literally just blowing smoke up the public's ass just so that he can get some recognition to become popular enough to say, hey, fight me so you can make a bunch of money so we could both get paid? That's what that's what I don't like. That's what I don't like about Jake Paul is I feel like you say one thing, but your actions say another and you keep playing this game like we don't notice what you're trying to do. And instead of just coming out and saying it like, yo, here's what I'm doing, man. I'm just fight whoever can make the most money for now. And if I generate enough noise, hopefully some big champion will want to fight me and I can fight him for a championship spot. Like if you came out and said it, I'm like, all right, cool. The game is the game, bro. Do your thing. But the fact that it keeps getting presented one way and then we as the public keep stupidly buying into like, oh, man, could he? Could Anderson Silva really beat Jake Paul? I don't think Anderson Silva's beating Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul is 25 and I think he's very strong and I think he hits hard enough to cause problems for Anderson Silva, who is a guy who, for whatever reason, every fight I've ever seen him in, loves to stay in the pocket. I don't think Anderson Silva is going to stay at a distance and outbox Jake Paul. I don't. I think he's going to get into danger to make the fight interesting and entertaining. And he's going to get caught with something. He's going to get his ass knocked out because he's 47 years old. And I know they're going to say, oh, but Bernard Hopkins fought really late. Yeah, he did. But Bernard Hopkins was a great fighter when he started. Like Bernard Hopkins didn't like start boxing at 40 and say, hey, I'm a boxer now. After spending 20 years working in mixed martial arts, getting, you know, getting all that damage. And then say, I'm going to convert to boxing now. Yay. No, he had been boxing. He already had the skill set. He already had all that, the fundamentals intact, like all that was there. And he just continued. He just stayed in great shape. And even then there was concern going into every fight. Like, oh man, is, is this going to be the fight where the age shows? See, once you get over 40, the concern of, oh man, it's going to show. The age is going to show now. The age is going to show. We saw it with Pacquiao in his last fight. He just looked old. He's still Pacquiao, but it's like when that age kicks, you get, you, you get a half, half step slower. Just a tick slower. We saw it with Mayweather later in his career. He was just a, a tick slower. He got caught so many times by Maidana, not because Maidana was better, but because he was just a, a, a just a hair slower than he once was. And you're gonna catch it. another shot here, two here. Like that's just what's gonna happen. So yeah, Anderson Silva is is better than is by far like. 
supremely better than anyone Jake Paul's face, but don't buy into the hype and think that this is the ultimate test. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. This is just the best test that he has that has a big enough name. But I told y'all when he was promoting it as fight announcement coming soon with a professional boxer with a winning, winning record, I told you already, they, this is, this is, the setup is here. And sure enough, this is what it turns into. So I want to talk about the, uh, the Ohio State Notre Dame game um, that was this past weekend. And I know I, I talked a bunch of trash about Ohio State is going to cover the 17.5 point spread and all this other stuff. They ended up winning 21 to 10. And to be honest, the game was much closer than the score would show you. And the game was ugly. It was an ugly game. And my first thought um, as I'm watching the game is, man, this team, they're going to be in trouble this year. This doesn't look good. And then I started realizing, you know what? That's just that's just me being biased. That's just me going based off of Ohio State's offense on paper is out. It, it's insane. It, it doesn't make sense how they have that much talent on offense on paper. And then last year, they were very explosive. I think they averaged like 45 points a game last year. So coming into this year, you expect with C.J. Stroud with another year under his belt, you know, Travion Henderson with another year under his belt. These guys, everyone's going to get better. And that's what we always do as sports fans, right? We always assume that whatever you did this year, the next year, you can do even better. So that expectation coming in, plus you're talking about Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, as I've said, has the reputation for always coming up small against the bigger, faster, better teams. Because we look at Notre Dame as the academic school who never really has the athletes that the other teams have. And they're a step slow and they're going to get they're going to get destroyed so yeah me naturally coming in i was excited i said yeah they're gonna destroy him it's gonna start off close early and then they're gonna pull away well they never really pulled away but i will say this two things that come out of that game that i think are very important to me number one the defense they played well they didn't do anything special but i think the most important thing was they were where they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there there wasn't a lot of misplays. There wasn't a lot of guys running wide open. There was usually guys were in the position they were supposed to be to be able to make a play. And that's a good sign. You've got a new defensive coordinator coming in. It's game one. You haven't played anyone else other than each other all summer long. You finally get against another opponent who has a game plan that you don't know what their game plan is. And you you did what you were supposed to do. You stayed in the proper position. You played with the proper technique. The defensive line played outstanding. Great. I think going forward, they will improve. And I think going forward, as they go against other teams, maybe teams that aren't top five in the country. Because, look, let's give Notre Dame some credit. I know they have a bad reputation, but, hey, that team controls the offensive and defensive line. They have good offensive line, good defensive line. And they can do some things, especially on defense. They play really well. They're really tough. It was a tough test. So they deserve a lot of credit. And I don't. Ohio State's not going to be playing anybody probably – as good defensively as Notre Dame is probably for the rest of the year. So I don't think the offense is going to look like that. And again, offensively, because you know we talked about their defense was solid. Offensively, Ohio State, again, this was game number one. Usually you're going to play someone like they're playing this, but like Arkansas State this week, they're playing them. Like usually you would play them week one and then have week two be a little step up like the Notre Dame game. Ohio State did it different. I can om- I will almost guarantee you Ohio State scores 40-plus points this week against a much lesser competition where they, they've had a week under their belt. They could watch some game film. They could, the receivers were running around out there. They kind of got a feel for it now. It's not like you're coming into week two now. You're a little, you know, 
the jitters are gone. It's not this big, massive televised event like Saturday Night Football and the shoe and all that other stuff. It's not that. You got that out of the way. Now you can just go play football. And I think that's what happened. I think um, in the second part of the game, like the second half, I think they were kind of just playing football. And offensively, it was a little bit of a struggle. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba got hurt. Um, I hope they keep him out for the next two weeks. Make sure he's right. Like, it's not important for him to come back. Um, they got plenty of receivers, plenty. Of, I, I promise you they're going to be, the next two weeks they're scoring 45, maybe 50 points a game. Like, it's it's fine. The next two opponents are nowhere near the caliber of Notre Dame. But I think most importantly for me, what I took away from that game was that was the ego check. I think coming into this year, I think Ohio State and Ohio State fans, myself included, we were really like pumping our chest like yeah we got this i predicted them to win the national championship (laughs) normally i would never predict the national championship winner going into the year it's like yo give it like three four weeks and then i can let you know who i think legitimately will win the the championship but i was pumping my chest like oh yeah they're about to run through everybody this year and it, it you go into the game and you realize you have to play you still have to play. Yeah, you're Ohio State. Yeah, you're C.J. Stroud. Yeah, you're the favorite to win the Heisman. Yeah, you got five-star receivers everywhere. Yeah, Travion Henderson is great. Yeah, Mayan Williams is great. But you still got to go out there and play, and other people are trying to stop you. And if you don't execute perfectly, it's going to be a tough day. And so I think they got their ego checked. And I think it's like, yo, reset. Realize that, yeah, we good, but we got to go out there and earn it. It's not just going to be given. And secondly, I think the second thing you saw was I think that last year when Michigan talked about them not being tough and then it started to come up that other teams started saying, yeah, they're not really like a tough team. Their toughness got questioned. Everyone knew they were going to spend the entire offseason talking about, no, you need to be tough. We need to toughen up. We need to toughen up. And when they decided we're going to run the ball and they started to run the ball, and dominate the line of scrimmage in the run game, I think that that showed to them and to everyone else, we're not getting pushed around anymore. We are going to be nasty and physical and get after it. And guess what? Hey, Michigan, I know you had your little 51-7 whatever game over Colorado State. Hey, Michigan, it's the day of reckoning is coming. They're going to face you at the end of the season. And I promise you, you won't be the tougher team. I promise you, you won't push them around like you did last year. And so you better figure out your quarterback situation. Because me and every other Ohio State fan and every Ohio State player and coach has that Michigan game circled and we're just waiting. I could be honest with you, I don't even care about the rest of the season. Lose every game if you have to. When that Michigan game comes, that's the championship for me. They talked all that trash. Oh, gosh, all that trash. Every week, it's it's going to be on my mind. Every week. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. It's coming. It is coming. But I think they looked, I think they looked all right. I don't think they look great. Obviously, I think there's room to improve. I think they will. Like I said, it's week one. It's the first game of the year, and you're going against a really big test for both teams. I think both teams walk away from the game saying, hey, man, we... We are right. Notre Dame played much better than I than I expected them to. I thought they'd get run over. And 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 Ohio State had to win in a way that was other than just being flashy and finesse and with the passing game. I still think CJ Stroud played great though. 
I think he made some plays under tough circumstances where there wasn't really big windows, where the things weren't wide open. He didn't have a bunch of throws. But every time somebody was in position, he was making throws. I, I feel good about where it is and where it will be going forward. And so it's going to be a good year. Michigan, you better figure that quarterback situation out because the, the fire is coming. So NFL starts this week. And uh, look, man, I got some. I don't really, you know what? I NFL is hard for me because I, I I usually, like I said, I don't really like predicting who I think is going to win the Super Bowl before the season starts because I feel like so much can happen, whether it be an injury to a starting quarterback, an injury to a key player, uh, the season, the ball is just not rolling the way you know things just aren't going that well. I will say this. I don't know who's I I'm bold prediction. I think Justin Herbert quiets the critics and enhances the supporters such as myself. I think the Chargers make it to the Super Bowl. I'll say that. I think the Chargers are going to be the team to beat in the AFC. I just do. I I he's Justin Herbert's too good. He's too good. And I just think that they've been so close for so long to like, yo, you guys are right there. There's something missing, but you're right there. So I will say I think I think they are. I think I think this is the year that Tom Brady kind of comes back down to earth. And I know that that sounds crazy, right? But I think this year, I think the way this year has started with him retiring and then unretiring and then... He left for 11 days in training camp. There's rumors that, you know, his marriage, there's issues with his marriage and that they might be heading for a split. And I think, you know what, he said in a press conference the other day that he's 45. He's got a lot of stuff going on. I think this is the first time in his life that he won't be able to just focus on football. And I think that this is his last year. I don't think he's going to come back next year. And I think he, I think there's going to hit a road where he's like, I just need to get through this season. And I think he's legitimately going to be done. So I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be very good. I think it's going to be a really tough year. And I think everyone's going to say, man, you should have went out last year where you threw that, you know, you brought him back. You had the game tied and your defense lost it for you. But that's the way I see that playing out. And then, other than that, I mean, I don't expect the Cowboys to do great things. To be honest, as a fan, like, I don't know what to expect. Um, you know, I mean, is the defense going to be as good as it was last year? Is it going to be better? What's going on with the offensive line? you got some injuries, and, you know, is Zeke done for good? Like, is he still, can he come back and be better? Is Dak Prescott the guy or not? Like, what's going to happen with the receiving core? Are they going to be any good? I still don't understand why they got rid of Amari Cooper. It doesn't seem like they needed to. And if you really got rid of him, as speculation is, is that it was over, that he kind of burned the bridges with the whole not getting the vaccine and then being out at a Mavericks game with no mask on and catching COVID, that, you know, guys that the, the Jones family didn't like that and were mad at him, and that's why they got rid of him. If that's the case, I don't know if I agree with that move either. That strikes me as incredibly petty. But I don't know. So I don't know what you're going to get from them. Maybe something, maybe nothing. Who knows? So, I mean, like I said, man, that's that's about it as far as what I think of. 
The NFL. <laughs> the NFL is hard. Like I said, man, college football is easy because it's it's for me it's the way I would put it is college football is an embodiment of college, right? Like it's young people who are doing adult things, but they still have the the bliss of youth where they they're not jaded they still think the world is roses and the world is their oyster and the the, the world the future is ahead of you you got your whole life ahead of you and you're just living and enjoying the moment the nfl is like the 40 year old guy working a you know a nine to five that he really doesn't like and he just understands that the world isn't all roses and rainbows and his wife is spending too much money <laughs> Kids are driving him crazy. He's got a fantasy football league to keep him sane. And he's trying to figure out his draft lineup sitting on the toilet because that's the only time he gets privacy. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, you know, I enjoy it. But at the same time, like, I'm not miserable in life. But, you know, that spark is gone a little bit. You know, the spark of youth and 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 hope and oh my god this is gonna be amazing is gone and now you're just sitting stooped in reality enjoying you know your bathroom time so you can have some 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 personal space that's what it is so it's hard to say what's gonna happen in the nfl for me before it starts because who knows man who knows it takes for me it takes at least six weeks before you know if any team's good or not because no one plays in the preseason right teams don't really play their guys i know this year more played than than normal but it's still like you can lose so many games and still make the playoffs it's not like college football where like every game is you better be on point because one or two losses can really ruin everything for you nfl is like one or two losses doesn't mean anything like you just you can improve you can get on the second half hot streak and make it to the playoffs and make a run so I'm not going to be stupid enough to make a prediction. I guess I did. I said the Chargers would go to the Super Bowl. I take that back. <laughs> I don't know who's going. Talk to me after week six. Week six, I'll make an official prediction for what I think is going to go to the Super Bowl. Barring injury, of course. But I do think Justin Herbert is going to be good. I think this year is the year that your typical Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, I think they get dethroned. Right. And I think this is the year that other guys step up into that conversation now and we start thinking, yo, I think Brady and Mahomes Brady and Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are kinda sliding back now to reality and these other guys are now the it guy. Now, if you listen to the podcast, the 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 QB rankings, the cyber QB rankings, you would know that Justin Herbert came in at number two and Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL. Do I do I buy into that? Yeah, yeah, I think I think those two were one and two. I would have had it reversed. I would have put Joe Burrow at number two and Justin Herbert at number one. I think Justin Herbert is immensely talented, and I think if not for a lack of team success, I think he would be in the conversation for top two quarterbacks in the NFL. I think the problem is most people, when when you do the rankings of quarterbacks, whether they know it or not, they do greatly um, include and unnecessarily include team success into that. And they'll say, well, this guy hasn't won any playoff games. This guy hasn't made the playoffs. It's like, yeah, but it's not that guy's job to get to the playoffs. The team has to make the playoffs. The team has to win a playoff game. The team has to win a championship. So when you put it all on one player, to me, that's just foolish because that it's a team sport. We always start the conversation with football as the ultimate team sport. 
if a quarterback's offensive line is terrible and he does bad and it's somebody you like, you claim that, oh, man, bad offensive line. What are you going to do? Even though, as I've said a million times, Tony Romo's always had a bad offensive line, had a 1,000-yard rusher one time in his career, and for some reason never got any grace. And everyone just thought he should have carried that team to Super Bowls. You know what, man? Don't get me started. I should do a greatest all-time quarterback list and then put Tony Romo at number two. <laughs> Tony Romo's number two behind Troy Aikman at number one. Greatest of all time. <laughs> All right, that's my time, man. Look, I'm getting loopy. I'm starting to get a little crazy. We took a journey today. You know what I mean? We took a journey. We went through some uh, some some tough topics. We went through the Jake Paul thing again. Ugh, oh my God, I can't believe I have to continuously talk about this guy. But I guess at this point, he you know he's an official member of the sports community. I guess. Um, again, the 2022 cyber nfl quarterback rankings is officially out you can go on my instagram it's cyber underscore pod that's s-i-b-r underscore p-o-d if you want to see the uh the rankings of all those quarterbacks you can also go to wherever 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 you listen to podcasts you can get the sometimes i'll be right podcast you can download it you can download the episode where we talk about the official rankings i go in depth on every single player and let you know what i think about them I let you know how they were graded. I let you know why this list came out the way it came out. I even let you know, look, this isn't my opinion. I use the formula. I use the system. I judge each person independently. Aside from success, just judge them on their ability to play the game. And and whoever graded higher, graded higher. Like, it was unbiased. I wasn't switching guys around because I liked one better than the other. I didn't dock someone a point because I liked someone better than the other. I didn't. The top 10 for me was a surprise. I didn't expect Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson to be in the top 10. I thought they'd be really low. In fact, I thought Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff would be in my top 10. Yeah, that's right. I said it. (laughs) So go check that out. Uh, Oh, predictions for this week. So this week, we're going to step it up a little bit with the NFL coming back. We got some games. Now, look, I'm not going to bore you. I'm not going to go ahead and make predictions for every single game. So here's what I'm going to start doing. I think in the NFL, I think I want to go three and three. I think I want to pick three games in college football, three games in the NFL for a six game total. I have to keep it to an even number because I would like my, you know, I just like an even number. It's just easier to, to follow. Right. So I think I'm going to go try to pick the big games in college football, like ranked versus ranked, I think is how I want to go. Or maybe just, you know, big teams. I also, but here's, here's the caveat. I have to pick the Ohio State game. I have to pick the Cowboys game. I have to do it. I'm a fan of both. You guys know I'm a fan of both. I have to include them in my predictions. So look, we're going to, it's going to be a minimum of six. Could be more if there's a lot of good games. Some weeks, you know, you're going to have some really good games. So we're going to start it off with the, uh, the opening game of the nfl which as you're listening to this if you listen to this day of release it'll be thursday so it'll be tonight we got the bills playing the rams i like the bills in that game i think the rams are coming off the super bowl but i think the bills are incredibly hungry i think this is the year that they really want to prove they've been so close the last two years to getting it done i think this is the year they come out start to finish with that mindset of super bowl or bust so i think they win in week one um chargers versus the raiders i got the chargers again i think justin herbert's gonna have a really big year this year i think it starts off week one they get the win over the raiders and then i like the cowboys to beat the buccaneers Uh, i had a tough time with this because i mean i really don't trust either team 
even though I'm a Cowboys fan, I, I just really don't know what to expect. I have very, I have no expectations coming into this season, but I'm going to pick them because I do think that, that Tom Brady is going to take a step back this year. I do think he's a little more distracted than he's ever been, and I just don't think we're going to get the same performance from him, unfortunately, as he exits the league. So I like in week one. Uh, the Cowboys have come in a little more prepared, a little more cohesive. Again, Tom Brady missed some time uh, in the preseason uh, in training camp to deal with family matters. I just think that they're going to be a little off, especially week one. Uh, so going into college, we have the big game between Alabama and Texas. I really don't think this is a big game. I think Alabama washes Texas. I think Texas is a brand, and so they will always be credited as a brand and will always be, you know, placed higher than they should be alabama is going to walk all over texas i would be surprised if it doesn't look just like week one different alabama where it's just too easy that team is too loaded too well coached texas you ain't got the horses yet and quinn ewers hey man you finessed ohio state so power to you but uh i'm gonna say it again i don't see what everyone else sees i i don't think i don't think I don't think he's ever going to live up to the five star or the number one recruit in the country type status. I just don't see it. I don't see a guy who throws it naturally and easily. I see a guy who, look, we'll get into it after this week. We'll see what he does against Alabama. That's a massive test for that guy. Uh, we got Tennessee versus Pitt, um, two ranked teams. I don't know why this game just stuck out to me. It's something I'm interested in. Maybe it's because my my situation with Kenny Pickett. Uh, that Pitt kind of sticks out to me now and I like Tennessee to beat up on Pitt um, and of course Ohio State is going to curb stomp Arkansas State maybe I shouldn't say curb stomp that's kind of harsh <laughs> no, uh, Ohio State is going to beat up on Arkansas State they're going to look like the powerhouse that we expected them to be they're going to put up all the points they're going to have all the deep passes all that stuff is going to happen this week they'll get back in the form Travion Henderson will run all over and get 100 yards Mayan Williams they'll probably get 100 yards too I imagine the starters not playing beyond you know second series of the third quarter so those are my predictions for this week listen thanks for supporting the uh, quarterback list thanks for checking that out thanks for uh you know again if you have anything to say about it hit me up on social media cyber underscore pod that's s-i-b-r underscore p-o-d on all social media platforms hit me up let me know what you think about it let me know if you disagree hey listen you hit me up i'm gonna respond back to you and let you know you know i'm not above anybody we all in this together it's a cyber family right um and thank you for for tuning in today thank you for continuing to support and i'll catch you guys next week